Heavenly Father, I would pray that thy spirit might attend as I sing this song, Lead Kindly Light, and read a scripture from Second Nephi. I would ask that the perfect peace of the gospel, the good word of Jesus Christ, might pour down upon the heads of those who listen, that they might be touched in their hearts and filled with peace, joy, and September morning. And I would pray that thy spirit might attend all of our conversations as we chat and discuss the issues of the day, particularly those around parental rights and education and health care. And I would ask that thou would give me the wisdom to know what to share and what to say that be, would be of the most benefit to the most people. And I pray, Father, that thy spirit might pour down upon the nations, that we might all seek for peace in these troubled times. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. A reading from Second Nephi in the Book of Mormon, chapter 2, verse 12. Wherefore, it must needs have been created for a thing of naught. Wherefore, there would have been no purpose in the end of its creation. Wherefore, this thing must needs destroy the wisdom of God and his and also the power and the mercy and the justice of God. And if ye shall say there is no law, ye shall also say there is no sin. If ye shall say there is no sin, ye shall also say there is no righteousness. And if there be no righteousness, there be no happiness. And if there be no righteousness nor happiness, there be no punishment nor misery. And if these things are not, there is no God. And if there is no God, we are not, neither the earth. For there could have been no creation of things, neither to act, nor to be acted upon, wherefore all things must have vanished away. A song, Lead Kindly Light, sung by me. Oh, no. 
torrent The night is gone And with the moon Those angel faces It is the Jenny Hatch Show. Welcome. I thought that I had my jingle all ready to go. Oh, here it is. Sorry, it's coming after my welcome. dive right in today with the most uh, controversial story of the hour. And honestly, as I read the backstory to this, I I just found myself feeling quite nauseous, but I'm just going to dig in. Dr. Scott Moser, Moser, I don't know how to pronounce that, M-O-S-S-E-R. Uh, this dude believes it's appropriate to cut off the breasts of young girls it's called top surgeries, and he has performed over 2,000 top surgeries on girls and women, and he claims there is no age limit for beginning the gender jury. So let's listen to Scott Mosser, Moser, MD, in his own words, because it's always illustrative to listen to these guys themselves, and this helps to dispel all of the fog and dust that's out there distracting us from what's really happening. This doctor practices in downtown San Francisco, California. Me, so I'm uh, super committed to gender surgery. In the past, I used to do cosmetic surgery. I'm a board certified plastic surgeon, and I've always been drawn to things that are deeply impactful. In the GCC, Gender Confirmation Center in San Francisco, we kind of have these like secret missions. Now, now that it's on a the slide, these public secret missions, which are 
Uh, one of them is that we try to we try to live with our values 30 to 40 years in the future. So, and that puts us in a mindset of um, extreme affirmation because affirmation at that time is a foregone conclusion. This is a time in the future when gender is just a thing. Nobody makes a big deal out of it. People are being screened as children and adolescents for their gender journey and appropriate steps are taken to get them involved in a multidisciplinary process to get them where they need to go. That's, that's the future future. Um, I do not have a minimum age of any sort in my practice. There's no chronological age that says you don't get surgery. Now, having said that, I don't think I've ever done a consult on a 12-year-old yet, but we would if one came our way. We just haven't had reason to. Um, and then we've done a number of 13-year-olds who, who we did consults on. I think I've done one or two 13-year-old surgeries. For the most part, it's 14 and up that by the time everything comes together, plus insurance approval, plus everything that surgery actually gets completed. Um, we do not require any particular identity. We only require that somebody has gender dysphoria and uses a multidisciplinary process for us to yeah, assess. You have that. a question? Please, yes. Yeah, you say, what was the youngest age a transmasculine kid could consider this surgery? So there is no youngest age um, at all. Um, with parental consent, somebody could even do a, con a consult with me at age 10, 11, or 12. Okay, so this is just to clear up all of the many lies that you're seeing right now in the debate spheres on Twitter and other places as people who defend the mutilation of young children's bodies by surgeons are trying to obfuscate what's really going on. So this Dr. Mosser, Moser, he cuts the breasts off of young adolescent girls. Uh, many surgeons across the country will and do inflict, inflict top surgery on monitors. And Mosser assures us that he follows very strict guidelines before performing double mastectomies on children. He also offers non-binary services for patients who want to be neither male nor female. And then he assures his page, patients that regret surgery, the regret after surgery, he says that it's exceptionally rare for patients to regret what's happened to them. Now, he cannot possibly know this because we've never done these sorts of things to this many children before. So how many 40-year-olds are walking around today who had cosmetic mastectomies at 16? Who's been pulling that and collecting the data about regrets? So um, when the media especially is trying to debunk the claim that doctors are mutilating kids, uh, they don't really talk about top surgery at all. They ignore it because it's undeniable that this is happening. And it's also totally indefensible. Um, just for giggles, let's look at the money side of this. This is coming from Christopher Rufo's Twitter. According to his website, Mosser charges between $8,500 and $10,000 for this procedure to cut off women's breasts and children's breasts. So he has generated up to $20 million in revenues for performing double mastectomies on girls and women. Gender ideology is a booming business. And then he, uh, Chris Rufo shared a list of how much he charges for whatever. Uh, he does chest reconstruction, breast augmentation, liposuction. Uh, he really gives a, you know, a good Brazilian butt lift, liposuction and buttocks grafting, uh, $15,000.
So this dude's doing some serious carving of women. And now he's added, added teenage girls to the mix and uh, is depriving them of the ability to potentially breastfeed their children and uh, even give birth at all if their wombs are ripped out of them while they are teenagers. So there is an organization that I'm affiliated with called FAIR, F-A-I-R, the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism. And FAIR has been organizing a rebuttal to this whole notion that school districts and school psychologists and doctors can usurp parental authority around children under the age of 18 and offer them up on the altar of gender reassignment up to and including these surgeries without parental consent. And so um, on behalf of FAIR, there is a woman who's an attorney named Letitia Kim. She is speaking out for parental rights. And she said publicly, I would encourage the California Department of Education to respond to us and FAIR would take their response into account we would furthermore encourage them to change this policy so that it's respectful of parents' rights under the Constitution. So FAIR wrote to the California Department of Education explaining why its rules requiring teachers to conceal students' gender transitions from parents is unconstitutional. So that was earlier this month. We're still waiting for a response. And they are actually soliciting any parents or students who have been affected by this policy to get in touch with FAIR. And so um, if you'll just Google FAIR, the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism, you will find this network that is building to help educate, support, and eventually find some justice for those children who have been seduced into transitioning. We've got a large group of people right now who are um, re regretting, seriously regretting what they've done in terms of uh, choosing to have the surgeries. And young girls who are under the age of 18 who have not really thought through what it will mean for them long term to not have the ability to gestate and then breastfeed a baby um, in their 20s and 30s are coming to find out that they have deep regrets about not having the ability to be a mother. So that's the topic for today. I'd love to invite any of you who have joined us listeners to chime in with your thoughts on the conversation. I thought if we were going to have a good kickoff topic that this one might be a good one to start the show with. Um, it's definitely one that most people have an opinion on. I have loved ones who've transitioned, and I feel deep compassion for anyone who has gone through the process of transitioning to another gender. And that's not necessarily what this conversation or the show is about. This show is dedicated to parental rights. And so I would love your thoughts specifically on how many rights parents should presume over their minor children and then what your thoughts are on this topic. So welcome, Sheila. 
Hi, I just wanted to, again, welcome you to the to the network. You promoted your show on uh, Brady's program, and I wanted to, again, extend another invitation to come explain your show on my program and, um, you know, just drop in and, and say a few words for yourself um, on The Unsanctioned Citizen when you're ready. Thank uh, you. I, w- I won't be long. I'll be asking you a couple of questions, and then I'm going to pop back out, and then you can you can hopefully you'll just answer them because it's it's probably a longer answer than I would expect. So my first question is: Is do you think this is a cult that somehow marbled its way into the education system? I'm kind of curious how that happened, if that's the case. And then my second kind of group of questions would go towards. Okay, I'm aware of a 4,000% around that, you know, maybe it's flexible, but a 4,000% spike in um, trans, trans-identified people, you know, and in human history, there hasn't been that many people who've opted in to any kind of... Uh, you know, and then they're pushing them right into surgery. I've I, I heard a lot about this. Um, so the question, the question, if there is one in there is, um, what do you tell families? What do you tell, you know, the, the, the people themselves who are, you know, under say 30 who've opted into this belief system and then gotten something like a bottom surgery if they're uh, a, a formerly male? And then they, they have regrets. Um, I think we're just starting as a civilization to sort of deal and grapple with the question of uh, regrets. And so I don't have any easy answers for that because I don't think there are. Um, as for it being a cult, I think our children are being seduced by people who do not have their best interests at heart. And in this case, I I tend to lean towards the almighty dollar, there is so many of these gender reassignment clinics that have just popped up all over the country, and they are making some serious money just with transition medications, not even the surgery, but just giving the puberty blockers and whatnot. And so there's that side of it. But then these surgeons who are, you know, this is a feature of their businesses. uh, I really think they're motivated by money. Um, it appears that there is not a lot of counseling that goes on in terms of really making certain that these young people are capable of making this decision. And so um, when they claim, you know, we, we, we did all of that background research to see if this was appropriate for this particular child, uh, there's not a whole lot of evidence pointing towards that. And so with or without parental consent, it is such a monumental decision for a child to be making, especially in this climate where they get never ending props from their peers and their schools to do it. Um, For the child who's looking for a way to escape their identity, and there are many children who are ashamed of being male or female or white or what have you, Um, This is an easy way, for example, for a a white male who perhaps feels like, you know, he's he's been taught to hate himself because he's the source of all that's evil in the world. And so here's an easy out for him to say, well, guess what? 
I'm no longer that white male that all of society hates and blames everything for. I have just become a non-binary female or a non-gendered person, so I don't have to assume the guilt and the shame of my former identity. And that, in that regard, I do think there is a cultish aspect to this. Because who would do that? What's the goal? What's the end goal in depriving people of their identity that they were born with and they've lived with throughout their lives? I, I, don't under, I, I don't even presume to understand what the goals are. I'd love it if any of you had any thoughts on what you think this, this is about more than money. Because I, I think there has to be some sort of agenda playing out that I can't quite see. So, Loki, share your thoughts. Sure, I'm cooking, so I'll, I'll try to spit it out fast. Um, it does seem to coincide with this sort of um, this this what do you call it? this this notion that we're under uh, severe overpopulation. And of course, not blaming the system at all that can't support people, but blaming it just on the fact that people exist and kind of this new thing of anti-natalism. You know, I like I, I believe. I believe in like, you know, a woman's choice, you know, as far as abortion and all that stuff, but I don't feel that she should live in a society where, you know, she would be pushed to those choices, you know, like where, like where she would even have the mind state to let somebody that she wouldn't even want to have a kid with, you know, enter here. But I guess, you know, people, mistakes happen and stuff, but um, off of, off of that point, it, yeah, it's, it, it seems to coincide with, lowering the birth rate and such but also what people don't acknowledge you know and i'm not I'm not trying to say it in a in a, a stupid alex jones way but there are you know there are many 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 petrochemicals that affect uh the production of hormones within the human mammalian frog you know and within animal bodies that that feminize our normally balanced hormones so, you know, a, a guy could easily not, you know, not feel like a complete guy because maybe, maybe speaking the truth, maybe within his brain chemistry, there's more of a female balance in there, you know, that literally could be the case. But, but then this would be, this would be a case of, you know, chemical poisoning, but the chemicals are so, so rampant and f fucked up. And like, what is it? There's even microplastics and amniotic fluid and shit. It's like, it's really, just you know these poisons are through the whole society and and i believe you know i believe that this is this is kind of a result of that too and and you know people are depressed as as fuck too and they don't see a positive way out so you got kind of the you know along with the anti-natalism there's also the the nihilism which is you know which has always been a which has been around for for a long time, but the nihilism is kind of marrying with the materialism now. And like, people are really just like seeing themselves as their body, you know, it's like, you're not, you're not just your body, like, you know, maybe that's a part of you and stuff, but like, they're too worried about their freaking bodily identity rather than who they are as a person, as their actions, you know, who, who, who they really are, you know, as a, as a being, as a consciousness, but I'll yeah, leave it there. Their care. Thank you. Those are wonderful thoughts. And I agree with you on the hormonal aspect. I am a childbirth educator and Pitocin, which is a hormone, 
is used in almost all labors, whether to augment, hurry it along, or to induce. And uh, there were some studies that were done in the early 90s indicating that the portion of the male brain that was um, flooded with Pitocin during these births is also the portion of the brain that shows up in homosexual man. And so there was homosexual men. So there was this notion that perhaps some of the um, issues with, with men feeling more comfortable as a homosexual were tied to the hormones that their mothers were given while they were in labor. And this, this research went nowhere. And it actually, I watched it be scrubbed off the internet and it was almost like people didn't want to know. They were more comfortable with the, but I was born with it. And they really were, if it comes from the labor and the birth, you know, they really were born with it, but nobody wanted to point the finger of scorn at Pitocin because it was so prevalent and so used during birth and still is that, um, you know, I could totally buy a hormonal aspect to this. So, um, Haki, how do you, how do you say your name? Hakeem? Welcome to the show. Sorry. Hello. Um, hello. Just kick, just kick me out of the room for a second. Um, hi, Jenny. Yeah, it's Hakeem. Welcome. Thanks. Um, yeah. So, uh, about the idea of gender reassignment, maybe there being something far sinister behind it. I don't know anything firsthand, but I do know that having having gone to a school um for clinical hypnosis and seeing the things that uh the founder and several people who are involved in getting the school started and starting a union uh like for example uh they were key elements in scripting the uh, the initial dialogue for almost all network marketing companies use because they were consultants to amway for example um, but one thing also about the founder um, of the school that I went to, it's, and actually, I, I'm, I don't have anything against them. I love that alma mater. It's called the Hypnosis Motivation Institute in Tarzana, California. They do really great work. They help a lot of people. I'm just saying the things that did I observe and what I understand. And uh, the founder Did you of the go school, there he, as an adult? What's that? Did you go there as an yes. adult or as a child? Um, okay. I went there as an adult, but I went there as a student to learn clinical clinical hypnosis to help people with basically our our our, motive, our scope of practice is vocational and avocational motivation and self-improvement. So even though we can technically call ourselves a clinical hypnotist or hypnotherapist or master hypnotist, we're not licensed therapists. We're lay hypnotists that deal with things, like I said, vocational and avocational motivation and self-improvement. Now, that has a wide gap. It's all habit control, you know, stop biting your fingernails, stop smoking, you know, eating better, all that kind of stuff. Um, but there are more, there's a lot more to it and people do a lot more with it. And one of the things is, like I said, they were consultants to these uh, different organizations that use influence and persuasion as a matter of just their everyday dealings. So, uh, and one of the, um, one of these, which is really interesting, 
is um, how, for example, um, clinical hypnosis is uh, taught as uh, a sales tactic in most organizations that teach something called NLP for executive change and executive success. And all of it is, they're just different names for hypnosis. Um, anyway, more specifically though, uh, and, and, and that's just a, a way to also say that, that so much more of that is in society in general where people are sneaking in hypnosis in, in different ways and calling it something else. Um, so uh, anyway, one of the things that they did at the school, and specifically, I found a book in the library totally by accident. I mean, not accident for me, because I always go to the library, but in the Tarzana Encino Library on Ventura Boulevard in in uh, Tarzana, California, they there was a book in there, and it was an older copy of the professional hypnotism manual that we use as hypnotists at the school. Um, and I've seen it work in action. It, imagine opening a spell book. And like demons come out of it and like just take possession of somebody and make them do something. It's like that reading out of this book literally had that effect on a person in front of my eyes. Um, so the oh. clinical hypnosis techniques are they work really well. Do you feel, feel like they're tied to the occult? Well, um, that I'm not sure. But what I do know is that this this uh, the founder of the school, a man that I respect. I never met him. His son still runs the school and his grandson's about to take over. It's a family legacy that's been around since 1967, that school, and they are the first nationally accredited college of hypnosis. They're uh, accepted by the Department of Education. They even just launched a new associate's degree program that's a psychology degree. And so, you know, doctors, nurses, everybody can go there and get their continuing education credits. But this guy, George Kappas, he had a gender reassignment program written in the book the professional hypnotism manual for like 1978. It was in a yellow jacket that was different from the one that I got when I, I started the school in 2004. And the one I had in 2004 did not have this section where they were teaching people how to hypnotize people to not be gay, not be homosexual, to not be lesbians, to not be anything that was queer or considered abnormal sexuality. And so, uh, and, and for some reason they took it out of the book and then now uh, I've even heard, um, but it could not, I don't know if it's true because I haven't been around there for a while, that they're going to even start putting in a new section. And, and he's not even alive anymore. I can understand taking something out, right? But, um, and and this, this is totally speculation, though, but they're going to put in something now to help people to transition genders from. So before they were trying to, you know, he had written in the book, okay, we're going to stop this, but we're going to stop people from being gay by hypnotizing them. And now they're maybe putting something in there. We're going to help people transition. All this is to say um, also that in addition to what, everything else I've said is that um, there has been a, a long agenda that you can use something that I will have to call because it's my profession, hypnoanalysis. And you can look at a track record of how people in society have not only been guided psychologically to change their gender, but there are also things that are used chemically to enhance these things that also work in conjunction with the different chemicals. For example, um, it's known that stress can cause chemical changes that damage the immune system. Um, and there are very specific hormones 
you know, involved and, and chem biochemicals involved in that. So you can use a combination of psychological and physical. There's even book a book called Physical Hypnosis, uh, Physical Control of the Mind, and there's so many things like that. Um, anyway, uh, ties to the occult. Um, now that I, I, I think about it, because I was just I didn't kind of put it aside. Yes, definitely, because. Um, the very first se hypnosis sessions I did on clients in the clinic was for past life regression. And it was one of the most amazing things that I'd ever experienced beca um, just because of certain things that happened and what they said. Um, but that was just kind of run of the mill. They teach Reiki there. And, uh, you know, I practice numerology and what, like all of that stuff was a go. It was basically like going to Hogwarts. And I mean, I think that's a good thing uh, to be able to study all those things. But um but this stuff is definitely very powerful. And in the same way, there's a, a saying that says the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that it doesn't exist. Well, I say that the greatest trick that a hypnotist could pull is convincing the world that they can't be hypnotized because everybody can unless there's some physical brain damage. And a lot of people are unwittingly against their will. And whether it's the devil, demons or anything evil doing that, the fact of the matter, it's a neutral uh, uh, modality and it can be used to steer people in any direction so and this well, is just one of them thank you so much for your thoughts i do think there's a level of hypnosis that's going on in the schools whether the teachers are consciously aware of it or the nurses or whoever's school psychologist who's ever getting the access to the children i do think there is a seduction there for the kids that is real and many of them are falling prey to these seducers whether they're you know pre prepared for that in some significant way leaning gay or lesbian or what have you but there's no question there's been an explosion in our young people right now william welcome to the show it's going to be a joy to talk to you because i love listening to you speak hey jenny can you hear me i can welcome to the show thank you first i want to Compliment your singing. That was very beautiful and peaceful, as uh, Rudy mentioned. That is uh, the goal. That is the goal is to make me feel peaceful. You know, it's kind of nerve wracking to start a show. You don't know if anybody's going to show up and it's, mm. you know, you don't know how it's going to go. So I was feeling a little bit nervous and the music helps calm me. So I'm planning to do it before every show. Yeah, I sing to myself. I haven't. I used to sing on quarantine karaoke until they kicked me off when I started talking. <laughs> between <laughs> songs. They don't want to hear my message. But anyway, uh, the listeners liked it, but the administration didn't. And where, where, where I want to go with this is, you know, as and I know you have a spiritual uh, a belief, and I and you know the devil roams the earth like a ravenous wolf, doesn't he? He does. Um, he does. This is an abomination to God. It's 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 so sad because these young people, let's face it, we've all been confused growing up about ourselves, you know what I mean, on some level. Um, and with today's influences, I mean, when I was growing up, you know, Mary Tyler Moore and uh, the Dick Van Dyke show, you know, this is what was on TV. <laughs> My parents' channels, well, we had three channels. There was no internet. The kids today have so much access to so much media that is, in my opinion, uh, a, a cult. You know what I'm saying? That's evil. It's just um, right out in the open. There's no question. Yeah. And uh, 
and 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 you know in the end of times of course as it says in the gospels this is part of the satan's plan 2 timothy 3 1 through 5 um encourage anyone to look it up if you want i could quote it it's not that long but the the point being that go ahead and quote it i love to hear the word i love to hear the word okay okay so uh, for your listeners, I repeat, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Oh, let me say hello to, hello to my brothers and sisters like Loki, Hakeem. God bless your brothers. I haven't talked to the lady yet. Um, but but understands this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. Yeah, I love that passage. Yeah. And, um, uh, boy, I mean, I, I believe personally we're in the the fifth seal of the apocalypse, the time of martyrs myself. Um, when we look upon the earth, I think the four horsemen have been released upon the earth. And I, I you know, I, 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 I mean, there's so much that I know I've li- listened to you talk about on other shows and I've talked about that it just seems so much in our face. You know what I mean? Those of us who who believe in spirit and believe in we're surrounded by good and evil. You know what I mean? And we're well, I totally in agree with Hakeem that for those who worship Satan and there are those people in our midst, their number one goal is to convince everybody that Satan doesn't exist. Right. Because if, if they can convince all of us of that, then for those of us who say, you know, Hey, there's people who worship Satan. They do evil things. They can just say, there's nobody who worships Satan because he doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that hypnotic thing ties into their, their just mass hypnosis of there's no Satan. I'm someone who particularly is interested in the satanic networks that are out there because I believe they have messed with my life. Amen to that. Um, You know, there's so many thoughts that come to mind. Um, you know, my experiences with the Catholic church. Um, yes. And for those of you who don't know, I was sexually assaulted by a priest um, at Fordham. And I actually uh, have cited canon laws that completely impeach the church that are cited by a book, priests, uh, Sex Priests and Secret Codes, 2,000-Year Paper Trail, written by three former Benedictine monks, Richard Seip, uh, Doyle, and wall and the reason i mention it is by the way there's a guardian article i think it's 2006 but anyone can look at uh you know try and and search the article or find the book uh even on amazon and get a synopsis but one of the greatest obviously uh, uh judas infiltrated the church amongst the first 12 do you follow me and that evil uh, has always been a part of the church. Unfortunately, you know, uh, it seems to have risen to a point where uh, there's so many crimes are still covering up, which 
completely violate the gospels. The reason I bring it up is at a time when we really need a place for people to go where they can, you know, gravitate to God and, and, and feel one with God, Satan has so infiltrated the church that it drives people, he, he's driving people away. Do you yeah. follow me? I do. Um, now, this is, we're watching uh, it right now in my faith too. And really you don't have to make your case about the Catholic church. I think you guys have had more good exposure about the crimes than any faith out there. Right. And with the spotlight movie and the other big reports in the press, I mean, you don't need to defend your claims. It, I believe you. Yeah, the problem is here in Connecticut, um, the Knights of Columbus Tower for the, for the whole country is in New Haven. And we have Yale Divinity School, Yale Law School, Harvard Divinity School, Har Harvard Law School. I've been arrested three times addressing this issue here in Connecticut, reporting to authorities, trying to create some change, whereas at the simultaneously being thanked by everybody in New York, from the DA in the Bronx to Chiefs of Security at Fordham and eventually Letitia James's office. The the politics in this. Yeah, the, the pressure the pressure on whistleblowers is tremendous. I felt some of that myself and trying to out out the evildoers who done me wrong. And so I get it. You know, William, I I would like to stay on topic around parental okay, yeah. rights. And I appreciate you, you know, sharing whatever, but do you have any thoughts on you know, what we could do to solidify things for kids. Uh, you know, I, I hate to say homeschool them because I'm a homeschooler and my yeah. kids, I homeschooled them as much as I could, but then there came a point where they want to go out into the world and I had to let them go. And especially exactly. my youngest, you know, as a seventh grader, is like, this has been great, mom. It's been real, but I want to go figure this out for myself. And so you mm -hmm. kind of just have to take that leap of faith that if you entrust your child with other people, they may get sucked into the vortex of whatever, you know, and be deprived of their faith that you taught them, kicked to the curb, raped, molested, you know, whatever's waiting for them out there. And it's terrifying. So do you have any insights about how we could better protect the kids? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't have children, so that's, I'm at a, you know, disadvantage there. But the only thing I could think of is, you know, uh, you know, when, with chickens, I did raise chickens, uh, pullets by hand, and they imprint with the the person. <laughs> There's no adult chicken around. You know what I mean? You're raising them yourself, so they bond they, to you. Yes, totally. And uh, you know, give them the water, the feed, uh, the heat lamp. Look up at you like, "Hey, mom." You know what I mean. And then if you pick them up and handle them, they get used to it. And then as adults, they would jump in my lap and under my arm, even as adults. The point I'm trying to make is that the children are imprinted, first and foremost, by the home environment, obviously. But at the same time, there's always the barrage of, like I said, the, the, the access to media today that we didn't have. You know, you and I, I'm 62, going on 62, so we only have three channels. You know what I mean? And the only time we're inside is when we're being grounded. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're, you know, we hated being inside. And uh, even it was raining out in the summertime and it was hot and it wasn't lightning and thundering. We're outside. You know what I mean? Because it was cooler out there. <laughs> oh, I, was, I was the same way. <laughs> you know? And But today it's it's flipped. And uh, with the, and I think, you know, the, 
I mean, here I am using a cell phone. So there's benefits, obviously, you know, I can get online and I can research anything. On the other hand, there's the negative side to that. I, I would say uh, with the church, the, be, the the evil rising in the church, the, I, I it's a very difficult time, I'd say, to be a parent because you can do everything you can at home. And then the kid could watch Beyonce, who, by the way, says she prays to, I don't know, some alter ego. I don't know if you've ever heard her talk about this. Yeah, she, she's definitely in the cult. Yes. And it's in her costuming. I mean, that that Super Bowl show they did where they had the orgy choreography and the bondage costuming and then yep. flashing all the satanic symbols during the songs. It's like it could not be more blatant where these people are. And I, I think of the artists as just being captured by the cult. You know, they're just in it and they're stuck and somebody needs to free them because so many of our young artists are just, you know, it's like they don't even write their own songs. They're just showing up and under their control. You know, I think the greatest gift that my husband and I gave our kids is that we stuck together. I had a nervous breakdown a year into our marriage and my husband told me that second year he was tempted over and over to just take our baby girl and run. And several times he almost did because he was so overwhelmed and I was so sick with mental illness, but he made the decision to stay. And then seven years into our marriage, he went through an illness that at moments, dark moments for me as the wife, I wanted to put a little note on him and say, send him back to his mother and put him on a plane and just send him home to mom. Cause I didn't know what to do with him. He was so sick, but I stayed. And then during the ups and downs of our life, which the, some of our darkest moments have been with our teens as they've been, there's something about being 17 years old, but as they have wended their way through, you know, navigating young adulthood in this climate, again, feeling like our family was wobbly. I'm not sure we're going to make it. This is too hard. I, I didn't sign up for this. You go through those feelings as a family. And again, my husband and I just kind of like grabbed onto each other in the, in the book of Genesis. It says husband and wife should cling to each other, cling, you know, just hold on to each other, white knuckle cleaving. I think it says the word cleave to each other like four times in, in the book of Genesis. And we found ourselves having those moments where that's all we had was just us holding on to each other. Like we are not going to break while these children are figuring this out. It was so hard. And then you get to this place where, okay, the kids are all launched. What's the payoff? What's the payoff for all of this work and expenditure and effort, you know, and you can't quite see it. You really can't because it really is the never ending suck fest parenting young adults. But then the payoff comes and it comes with that first grandchild. You know, I hold this little baby and I'm like, okay, yeah, it was worth it. It was all worth it. Everything was worth it for this moment. And that's where this trans thing guts me. Because you have all those parents who've gone through the blood, sweat, and tears of giving birth and raising this baby and up to adulthood. And you have all these hopes and dreams for them to have a happy life. And some entity, whether it's satanic or occultic or they're just in it for the money, they come in here and they say, no, young man or young woman, we are not going to make it possible for you to recreate. No babies for you. Ever. 
you can't do over these surgeries. Once that womb is gone, it's gone. Right. And all those hopes and dreams that mom and dad had for grandchildren and, and posterity, you know, it's gone. And that is some, that is some crimes against nature that right now we're feeling, we're feeling the energy of that righteous indignation of those parents rising up in our nation like never before. And it is a force to be reckoned with. And so that's where I see this going is just people being arrested and locked away for what they've done to children. Well, you know, I, I, I hope it gets to there. I, I don't know how this is going to play out. Um, Obviously, I believe uh, that uh, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab and his evil sidekick, uh, Yuval Harari, this is absolutely evil, you know, their agenda. And they penetrated world governments as they boast. Yeah, they and boast the whole, about it. I know. And their whole transhumanism, blah, 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 transhumanism agenda, which they they brag about. I mean, oh, my God, if there's, it's like the mark of the beast right in your face. You know yep. what I mean? The CBC. Now, the, yep. The, 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 the book of Revelations is playing out right before our eyes. If you're watching, it's right there. Isn't it? I mean, it's so blatant. It's shocking. Um, and, uh, but there's so many people who are asleep to it. I know how you feel about the uh, jab and uh, you know how I feel about that. It's all part of that whole um, Illuminati uh, Freemasonry uh, well, agenda. There's also a great awakening that's coming because COVID has been so noxious. And yeah. so I'm excited about these times we live in. I personally am optimistic. I feel like there is so many truth bombs going off all over the planet right now. Just a little myocardial uh, study on teenage boys from Thailand and the whole world goes bananas you know, and it's like, here's some proof. And then you see the media trying to debunk it and all the journalists saying it didn't say what it says it said. And people reading it going, you know, I can read, I can think, I can process this information. There's something here, you know? And so this myocarditis thing is huge. Um, and I, I just, I'm, I'm not someone who is going to allow myself to get suicidal, angry, frustrated, and hopeless when there are so many signs for hope. And so I, with this show, my goal is to engender hope in everyone, especially if you're feeling a bit despondent about where we are in our culture, people are pushing back in a powerful way. And it's a wonder and a glory to behold. And the book of Revelations tells us that in the end, we are going to have peace and that's what I'm hanging out for. Peace. Well, isn't it that Jesus said um, only those willing to pick up their cross are worthy to follow him into heaven? And so the road of the Via de la Rosa, the road of suffering and climbing the hill to Calvary while we're being persecuted, um, you know, metaphorically, of course, we'll never suffer like Jesus did, but is indeed the road to salvation versus the prosperity gospel, for example. And people are so swayed by Satan pushing the prosperity gospel that they don't get the, I mean, let's face it, Jenny, we're here temporarily. You know what right. I mean? I and, do. 
isn't this a test for our souls? Where where are we going to stand? Are we going to be willing to pick up our cross and and fight the evil like you're doing and bring the light into the darkness and be chastised, you know, and mocked, you know, and uh, and sometimes even persecuted, like in my case, illegally arrested and prosecuted here uh, because of the evil and the politics. Um, William, I if knew- I... If I was to tell you the sort of blowback, whistleblower blowback I have experienced, first and foremost, you wouldn't believe me when I told you all the things they did. Wow. And I'm not afraid of people calling me crazy because the one gift from losing my mind at the tender age of 21 is it made me bulletproof about mm-hmm. that. You know, I've never lived in fear of people calling me crazy. I'm like, so what? You know, so I, right. I speak my truth. But that has come at a great cost to me and to my family. And I would like some justice around that. One of my best friends died last year after years of lawfare for her activism. And I feel passionate that those who have stood up and spoken out, particularly against the satanic networks, get some justice. But, you know, I'm not really hanging out for justice in this life. I plan to be at the judgment bar of God with everybody else and they can explain to him why they felt it was necessary to mess with me and my kids because of my mighty voice. I, you know, I don't, I don't care if it doesn't come till, till the eternities. Uh, everything is being noted. Angels above us are silent notes taking of every thought, word, and deed. And that is a great comfort to me as an activist and as a voice. And I, honestly, I think they're more afraid of us than we are of them. Well, first, I I mean, you're doing the right thing. And obviously, uh, you will be rewarded for it. Um, uh, that's unquestionable. You've picked up your cross. You've carried it. And, you know, I, we've, all, we've all experienced being dropped to our knees. Uh, you know, I mean, when I was younger, I, I was in very good shape and I was a football star in high school and college, got a football scholarship, blah, blah, blah. You know, I didn't realize the kudos I was getting all the time and all the adoration. And I got signed in the NFL, then in the CFL, two teams I went to their prospective Super Bowls. I didn't, I eventually got cut. I wasn't into using the drugs that everybody was using. So that was a disadvantage. But the point I'm trying to make is I lost my way. I ended up, uh, you know, like the prodigal son, I ended up in Santa Barbara, ten and bar on the beach, got involved with a group of young people in their thirties who were partying like crazy. You know, I was out drinking like crazy, involved with all kinds of folks. Uh, and, you know, people who I liked, uh, there's a big um, homosexual gay network in Santa Barbara and they, the girls would ask me to go to the bars, the gay bars with them and dance with them. I used to love to dance and I would, and I'd have guys hit on me, but I never got angry with them because they didn't know what I was doing in there. You know, I was straight, but they couldn't tell, you know what I mean? And so the point I'm trying to make is that I, I finally woke up one morning. I, I got up to drinking uh, regularly three bottles of wine a night. Wow. And, dancing my ass off and partying like crazy and having one night stands, you know, even married women who are like, I'm in an open marriage. It's okay. You know what I mean? I went down all those roads, you know, reminds me a little bit of St. Francis who was a party animal and Assisi, you know, I mean, if you study him, I uh, came from a rich mercantile uh, father 
and led uh, parties through the streets, you know. Not that I've ever had any parties through Santa Barbara streets, but the point I'm trying to make is I was, I remember, and I hope, I mean, I say this not boasting, but what dropped me to my knees was after doing that for about a year, I woke up one morning and I felt so dead inside that I couldn't get up and do it again. It finally reached the bottom. You know what I mean? It wasn't that I felt so hungover because I was a big guy. I'd, you know, I, I, I work out and cycle and swim and, and the, the, the two, three bottles of wine was not making me feel sick. Do you follow me? But, yeah, but you just got to where you just spiritually felt dead, it sounds like. I was empty. You know, I, I just couldn't get up. I literally, I remember waking up and going, I had something touched me and I, I think I had to hit that bottom. You know what I mean? And then, you know, I coincidentally eventually met my wife in Santa Barbara and, and uh, you know, that was meant to be the way it went and eventually got divorced, not because I wanted that, but uh, she was, you know, was a California girl and there was a lot of wealth that I didn't have that pulled her away. Uh, movie producer. She was a beautiful looking woman. And so anyway, there was infidelity that when I was on the road uh, doing heavy equipment work and different sites and delivering boulders up the all the way up to San Francisco for a contractor I was working for. The point I'm trying to make is that, um, you know, these things happen in our lives. And then uh, when I came back to Connecticut, where I grew up is, is where I experienced that's something that I, I'm glad I opened up a little bit about because I want to touch on. I was, my original wounds was I was sexually abused by my own parents, both of them, which is why I became so adamant to expose the church, uh, even though it was a groping that happened to me at Fordham. But I'm like, what did this guy do his whole life if he groped a 255-pound football player in his office? When he, My teacher and theology teacher who told me to go see him in his office. I'm like, what did this pervert do his whole life if he's trying to groom and grope a, 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 a young man who could pummel him? Do you follow me? Well, there's this, just opportunistic child molesters out there when the opportunity presents they pounce yeah exactly and so what i what happened was when i came back to connecticut my mother had passed away and my father was going through a rough time and i got triggered into regressions where i was having flashbacks of, of being molested you know body memory flashbacks and nightmares I've had those. yeah i've had those oh, oh my god and what i can say is the reason i bring it up is you know, I developed disassociative identity disorder, what was known as multiple personality disorder. And I had a good counselor help me understand what was happening. And it was like I was witnessing myself at times, actually like I was a passenger witnessing myself saying and doing things. I never did anything illegal or anything like that. It was just, I didn't have control anymore. And I literally felt like I was in a battle for my own soul with a, a definite evil power, you know? Yeah. And so, and then during those times, the most bizarre thing would come over me where I was like working with a friend of mine who knew my whole ch uh, college. We roomed together, played football together. And this entity of sorts took over where, I literally, Larry looked at me at one point and said, why are you staring at my ass? In other words, it was like this evil entity of a homosexual nature 
obviously I was molested by my father and I think it's generational. Father Forte talks about in his books about exorcisms that 80% of the people that he performed exorcisms on were victims of child abuse and that it's an evil entity. Do you follow me? That enters in, not just... And so there's, it's this, not, mm-hmm. there's this tremendous need for the victim to reconcile what happened to them. And so it's why so many who've been victimized go on to become victimizers because they're trying to settle in their own heart what happened to them and my message to anybody who's feeling those nudges to to rape a child or molest a child is you are in control of your body you don't have to rape a child to reconcile your own rape and this is where it's so helpful to stay sober as you're healing so that you're not allowed to get into that altered space of being a little bit drunk or a little bit high because i do think people tend to use the meds and the drugs and the alcohol to get them in a space where they feel more comfortable doing it. And I think if you can, if you can go through the healing years, stone cold sober, it really helps as you reconcile, at least it helped me. So well, I want to add, I know you have other, another caller, but it's not just Satan. that I, I have to wrap it up in four minutes. Cause I need to go on another uh, oh, thing okay. tied to my work, but but wrap it up as quick as you can because I'd love to hear okay. what Sheila has to say too. Okay, so Satan hovers around bars because, or in certain situations where people are using drugs and alcohol because their 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 inhibitions are lowered. Do you follow me? So the demons and his Mephistilian minions are there to pounce when we're weak. Do you follow me? Now, yeah. for me. I was literally experiencing what I used to call the phantom demon. I hope I'm not upsetting people, but molesting me when I was having my rape flashbacks, where if I smelt a burnt sulfur and I felt a demonic entity. Do you follow me? Literally. Yep. You know? And, you know, I'm glad I can talk to you about this. If people want to think I'm crazy. That's fine. It was my experience and all I can do is share it. And I do believe in the spirits all around us and the, Satan's looking to pounce. And so for me, it was a battle for my soul and my body. And what I'm just going to wrap it up and say, for me, I read Father Forte's book. He said the most powerful prayer is the Lord's Lord's Prayer and the Hail Mary of all the exorcism prayers. So I used to pray that for hours and hours and hours. I'd be up till three in the morning, afraid to go to sleep, because if I did, I knew it was going to happen. I'd have these attacks. Do you follow me? And well, so it's, then, it's why I sing the hymns. The hymns are very effective for sending yeah. those evil spirits out of your home, out of your heart. Amen. And so that brings us full circle. I think as we we can't fight this evil without help. You know, we, whether we're calling on Jesus, Arch, Archangel Michael, you know what I mean? Some higher power, because we are not powerful enough in and of ourselves to defeat Satan. Lucifer, who was one of, you know, obviously the most powerful angels in heaven. And it took Archangel Archangel Michael to cast him down to where? With one third of the angels, to civilizations, to rule civilization where we are. You see what I'm saying? I do. All right. I know you got to roll. And thanks so much, Jenny. It's been a pleasure talking to you. God bless. You too, William. Thanks for calling in. Amen. Bye now. Bye.
Jenny. Welcome again. Oh, hey. Uh, I'll be very fast because I know you're on a time economy here. I can I can probably be five minutes late. The the organization I mentioned. I don't earlier, want you to be late at all. Well, it's um, okay. It's <laughs> fair. The Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism. I am one of their chapter leaders here in Colorado. I'm over the Boulder chapter. Yeah. And so we have yeah. a weekly meeting at 11 o'clock on Thursdays, and most people show up within the first five minutes. So it's not a big deal, but I definitely have to wind this down. So please share your heart. Okay. So I just wanted to say that, um, you know, it, in order for you to make your weekly beating, um, the the question I have that is probably going to be around, it's, it's, it's a recurring question. I have two young children, not, not two young children, but like two people in my family, like the people that I know, these are children that, you know, that, that came up in the last like two decades, both the males are now transgender. And that's, that's just too high of a quotient. Do you follow me? Like both, both of them. All right. So that's like, Okay, that's a hundred percent of the people in in my circle, you know, of, of the male children that came, and so that that's way too high, because transgenderism is a micro 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 minority. And I knew men who were transgenders, and they would usually transition like in their sixties if they were going to do it. So I'm not saying that you know, and and they were kind of like this you know, curiosity in the eighties, you know, it, it wasn't like a trend, but a hundred percent. Okay. And then, um, you know, one's going to the, to college in Vermont where, you know, as I've informed a couple people, I did my best to inform, you know, their family that there's a high culture of rape in at Vermont U and that, transgender kids are targets for, for, for rape. So, I mean, it, it just feels like this culture of, you know, power tripping, you know, whether it's, it's the Illuminati stuff or, you know, people who, who rape are into power. People who try to manipulate sexuality are into power. It is about power and overpowering one another. So what would you tell someone like me um, with a hundred percent ratio, male children, no one's going to, to has an, any ambition of becoming a natural progenitor. They, they're trying to go get wombs now. I would say be kind, love them cherish them build as strong of a relationship with them as you can are you the aunt yeah yeah be that awesome aunt who just loves them no matter what they do and that long-term relationship with you will have so much value over any sort of you know you saying to them oh you're wrong you've been duped you've been hypnotized that's not helpful to the kid who's in that position you know i just i think the only answer at this point for for boys and girls is to love them and cherish them. That that's really helpful, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you, Sheila. Lad, do you want to pop in just so quick? I've got to run in about two minutes, but love to have you on the show. I really appreciated 
what you said last night. Good to hear, Shayla. Real quickly, I wanted to say with what Shayla was saying regarding the trans, the transgenders. Uh, Dennis Prager was saying that in England, there they did away with uh, allowing children to to transition into in the in the transgenderism. They're fighting that already at the government level. They're finding it is damaging. They're they're finding it that the that the curricula coming from the U.S. and them from liberal progressives is dangerous. It's destroying children and it's damaging. Here in California, they didn't want to they didn't want to allow the the detransitioning uh, the because they wanted to implement more laws. And that's something that the people, parents, and all Americans united have to fight against. Because this is wrong. You damage a child at a, at a young age, giving them purity blockers, or going into their body and removing, you know, uh, whether it's for a girl, a young girl, their breasts, so, so they won't develop, or preventing them from development. I mean, that is sick. We have to that's fight really this. Sick. This is not right. This is, this is it, not right. It's why I chose it as the topic for my kickoff show. I feel like it's the issue of the moment. Meanwhile, next door with with uh, with uh, in another program with Amanda, they're talking totally the opposite, which I believe they're coming about it the whole wrong way. I know they're leftists. They're not Christian. They don't believe in God like you or me or Shayla. They don't have that fear of God. So they're they're coming about it in a Marxist way. They don't even know what the, what, what what in the world they're talking about. And and that is that is sad. They're just going into and perpetuating, propagating the same nonsense, same satanic ideology that is destructive to our country, destructive to people. And then at the end of the day, these kids, when they grow up and they're adults, they're either going to commit suicide or they're going to do something stupid against someone. And that's sad. That's just destruction of people. Our medical system is pushing that. Our government is pushing that. Our school system is pushing that. That is a three level and that's only to begin with battle here in california because i'm californian even though i'm conservative i'm californian um we have the most progressive governor newsom commissar newsom commie the the, the communist and that is horrible all these things are, are they're not right honestly they are not right and something should be done i hope success for your program and i hope to hear you i always hear you all the time i don't agree agree with you 100 percent, but i respect your view and and I, I don't expect I don't expect know? anybody to agree with me 100% of the time but I am so appreciative appreciative of you mm. and everyone who chimed in. What a great first show. You guys have really really made me happy. I'm excited about what we can accomplish together in this space. As always my goal is to support parents and help them find their liberty and their individual rights and autonomy to help their children make these important medical decisions. And if they're not mature enough to make them, that I feel like parents should be supported in preventing their children from transitioning and that decision being delayed until they're 18 or 21 when they're more mature and able to face it. Um, there's been a really powerful documentary that's been created by Matt Walsh. And I would really point you in the direction of that documentary and go ahead and speak up and speak out about this issue in any forum that you can, because it's when we stand together and push back 
at times it can feel like it's so big and so all consuming that, that one little voice won't make a difference. I believe we can make a difference. And it looks like England is making it a big difference. So there's a model there that we can all kind of follow and just say, no, we're not going to have this. So thank you all again for showing up. I'm going to leave you with my little jingle and I hope everybody has a great day.